We're in a series called Vintage Christmas. Have you ever caught yourself thinking, Christmas is just not the way it used to be? A few weeks ago, I was talking to my daughters, and there was a claymation Christmas show on TV, and I said, well, let's sit down and watch this. And they were not really interested because, you know, they can go out and get on DVD or DVR it or, you know, watch it about any time they want to. And I was explaining to them, honey, do you know what happened when Daddy, at, at 10 years old, missed the Grinch? Or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know how long I had to wait to see it? Twelve months. They didn't do reruns. And if the president was on that night, it was like, oh, how could they do this to us? we got to wait 12 months before we see this thing again. They just think, well, I just hit the DVR. It just, it just doesn't compute. I've caught myself thinking, gosh, Christmas is just not quite the way I remember it as a child. As a child, I don't remember my parents getting all stressed out, and I don't even remember them owning a date book, much less opening one up and saying, who's got this and, and who's got that? I have no memories of that, and at Christmas time, all I remember, and not really the gifts, sometimes I, I can remember some of the big gifts, but for the most part, I remember being together. I remember all of us going to my grandparents' house, all of my cousins and aunts and uncles showing up, and this house, which seems like a tiny little house to me now, seemed huge, big enough to hold all 14, 15 grandchildren and aunts and uncles, and and we could eat, and we would all find a place to sit, and we had fun, and it made memories. How many times have you thought, Christmas is just not the way it used to be? Because, you know what, people today really do believe Christmas comes from a store. That's confession time at Life Point. Okay, we don't do this very often, but I ask you to be, be truthful, be honest, see how you stack up against the other service, because they were honest. There's a few of them were. How many people, the day after Thanksgiving, you know where we're going? How many of you went out and stood in line to save some money and, and you know get a good deal? Come on, tell the truth. All right. So there are some truthful people in here. I mean, it didn't even start on, on Friday, on Big Black Friday. It started the day before when you went and got the News and Observer so you could get all the ads out and you could see where the big deals were and you're kind of mapping out your route. Well, we'll go here and stand in line. Then we'll go over here and stand in line and then, and then we'll go over here. And, and, and people were standing in line all over the city, you know, to save 100 bucks on a big screen TV. All because they think Christmas comes from a store. This year on Black Friday, all these people going out to get some Christmas cheer, one guy got trampled to death, a security guard, died because people were trying to save money on something in the store. Two guys got in a fight in Toys R Us, shot and killed each other, all because they were trying to shop for some Christmas cheer because they thought Christmas must be in this store. You know, we know that, we say that, and you're going, I don't think Christmas comes from a store. I know it doesn't. But most people don't act like that. I mean, why is it when Christmas time comes, when when it's time for Christmas, people start to act like they have money? People start to, you know, all year it's like, no, no, uh, you know, can't afford that. But the Christmas comes, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of money. This year. People will spend $455 billion in the U.S. at Christmas. And guess how 70% of that is spent? On a credit card, which leads to that January hangover, you know, that people have. When they, when they get the credit card bill, 
And then it takes all year to pay for it. From the last week of November all the way through to this week, what are we waiting for? To get Christmas over with. Just to get it past us. Oh, Prince of Peace, yeah, okay, let's get this, get this day past us so I can have some peace in my life. And then many of us end up missing the blockbuster point of Christmas and what it was all about. Last week, Rob Perry talked to us about how our hope should be attached to Christ. And when our hope gets attached to other things, then all of a sudden we feel hopelessness. And we're calling this series Vintage Christmas. And the word vintage can mean a lot of different things and describe a lot of different things. But vintage just means this. It's, it's a representative of high quality of a past time. A couple of weeks ago, or actually last Saturday, was the Wake Forest Christmas Parade. And several of us took our ice cream truck Frosty out there to go through the parade. And at the end of the parade, it ended in downtown Wake Forest where there's this place called Southern Automotive Classics or something like that. Come on, guys, who's been there? Raise your hand, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Some of the ladies have even been there. I wish my wife would go. But, but, but we walked in at the end of the parade because it was right there. And right in, right in the front of the front door was a 1968 red Chevy Camaro. And I was like, oh, you know, it's like light shining down on it. And, and I was just thinking, could this possibly, oh, you know, to my wife, could this possibly be under the Christmas tree? And she's like, you know, I can think of 40,000 reasons why that thing is not going to be under the Christmas tree. Vintage Christmas is not just the Christmas when you were a child. It's not just the Christmas when your parents were children. Vintage Christmas is taking a look at the very first Christmas. And you'll find out when we start to look at this very first Christmas, specifically from the book of Luke, that there was stress going on. There were people hurrying around. There were people g- g- running so fast they totally missed the point of what was going on. There was stress. It wasn't a lot different than Christmases now, except all the stress, all the worry, all the surprises, all the un- things that were unsure had some kind of a divine purpose behind them. So when Mary's stressed, when Joseph is confused, when all that's going on, there's a divine purpose behind all of that. There is no divine purpose to standing in line at Circuit City to save $200 on the 50-inch plasma. There's nothing divine about that, but people still act like that's where Christmas comes from. But Many of us focus in the wrong area because of the speed of our lives. So I hope last week, this week, and at our Christmas Eve service on Wednesday night, that you discover or rediscover what Christmas is supposed to be for all of us. Here's something you need to know. You need to know this all year, not just at Christmas time, all year. Uh, write this down, print it out, put it, in your, put it on your mirror, put it on your dashboard, and think of this. The pace of my life determines the amount of peace in my life. You know, what is it about life that we we do go through it quickly? And we seem to want to go through it quickly. Okay, the baby's born. The baby comes home. What's the first thing? Oh, just can't wait till it can sleep through the night. If if she, if he could just do that, then, you know, life would be great. And then you start to realize how much diapers cost when you have your first child. And, And then you're like, oh, God, if you could just allow this child to be potty trained at six months, you know, save us a lot of money. And, and, th- and, then, and then it's like, they could go to school. 
And somebody else gets them for like six hours a day. And you can't wait. You're counting down till the child gets in school. And by that time, the child's picked up on the hurried lifestyle and just looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So here they are, a little kindergarten kid. They can't wait to be a big first grader. And then they get in first grade and they can't wait for the next. And then they get in about halfway through elementary school and they're thinking, I cannot wait to get middle school. I'll be cool. Because in middle school, kids become teenagers and then all kinds of weird, weird, weird stuff starts happening when teenagers start living at your house. And then they start, they, they can now, they're a teenager. Our oldest just became a teenager a week ago and already the sight's set on, I'm not that far from 16. And you know what happens at 16. You know, it's like they're looking, okay, I got, I got this car picked out. And then at 16, they're thinking, I can't wait to get out of school where I can be on my own. I can go off to college. I don't have a curfew anymore. And then, and then the kids go away. They get off to college. And then they've got their own schedule. Now they can't wait to just get this thing over with and move on to the next point of life and, and find the husband or the wife and start to get the good job and, and start to buy the stuff we think we need and then have kids. And then it all starts over again. And then we're thinking retirement. Then I'll get to rest. If I could just get there and retire and save enough and buy the Winnebago and tour the country, then life would be full. And then all that happens. And and you know what's next? Do you know what we're all hurrying towards? You're probably thinking, well, thanks for that Christmas cheer. I really feel good now. But we're all hurrying to a place we don't want to go, right? From birth on up, we're saying, hurry, 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 hurry. And then we get there and go, man, I wish I could do that again. It seems like it went by so fast. Well, of course it did. You were in overdrive going through life. If it seems like it goes by fast, it's because you're making it go by fast with the speed of your life. And God looks at us and says, enjoy life today. Stop just thinking about that next thing, the next month. Just enjoy today. And when I don't enjoy today, and I'll, I allow the pace of my life to get so fast, the peace that God wants me to have will feel like it's so far out of reach. Who, who in here would like to be used by God? Well, we all would. And doesn't it feel great? Those of us that have gotten to be used by God, it feels great when God uses us to do something. When he uses us to make a difference, we just feel like, God, there's no better feeling in the world than to know God used me to speak to that person or to do something or to say something that made a difference. Well, slowing down today, making that decision, will put me in a better position to be used by God in the future. All right, I got to give you a Grinch test. All right, this is a Grinch test. You don't have to raise your hands. You'll know, you'll know, I'll know who you are. I can see the looks on your faces. All right, how many, how many times have you started a sentence over the last couple of weeks or months with hurry? Honey, you got to hurry. Get your shoes on. You're taking too much time. Look, we got this, we got this, and we got this. Hurry. Get it in gear. Let's go. Hurry. And we just start thing after thing with hurry. Anybody, anybody grinching? Anybody doing that? Well, of course, we all do it. Last week... Last week, we did this, I did this same message at our other site on Six Forks, and then we had the baptism service all the way up here, and we were running late, and, and a friend of ours took our kids to Taco Bell, and I said, well, I'll go by and pick them up, and I realized, oh, no, i got like five minutes to get to Wakefield. I'll never make it. So I swing into Taco Bell, and I roll down the window, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on, and they get, they're coming out. I'm saying, hurry, girls, hurry, and, and gets in the car, and my oldest says, Dad, didn't you just listen to that sermon? I was like, all right, okay, touche, 
I got you. I hear what you're saying. At least she listened, you know. The Christmas story is all over this thing called hurry. All over it. There's some Bibles coming down going up the aisles right now. I want you to look in Luke chapter 2. You can follow along on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love for you to have one. But hurry comes into our life. It seems to be even so much more intense this time of year. All right, here's another test. Here's another one. Now, usually a family's got a couple, you know, one of each of these. People act one of two ways on Christmas morning. Some people will sit back in their lazy boy, and they will open presents, and they'll enjoy, and they'll listen to music, and, and, and you know, just take in all the sights and sounds of Christmas morning, and the kids playing, and there's gifts being unwrapped, and paper and boxes going everywhere, and somebody in your house is sitting there enjoying it, just loving it, just taking it all in. But somebody in your house has already gone to the cupboard, and they've already pulled out the big black trash bag, and they're already coming in there, and they're already picking up all the bows and the, and the wrapping paper, and they're stuffing it in, and they're starting to schedule, okay, 5.30, can we take the tree down at 5.30? I mean, we've got to get all this in, we've got to get all of it out, go stack your toys in your room, get them all in shape where they're supposed to be, because we've got to get Christmas over with so we can have some peace, right? I want to challenge you this Christmas, switch places. You want to have a really messed up Christmas morning, just, just switch places. If you're usually sitting back waiting on somebody else to do it, just kind of help pick up. But if that's you, just resist. You think of this on Christmas morning, okay? Think, just think, oh, yeah, we're, we're, okay, I'm not going to get the bag. Does that happen in anybody else's house? Yeah, somebody's running around with a bag saying, let's get this stuff. Let's get Christmas over with. The Bible, especially the Christmas story, is all over this thing called peace and what keeps us from having it. You know the Christmas story. If you've even watched the, the, the Peanuts Christmas, you know what happens at, at, during the Christmas story. This angel comes to this child, this, four, or this young, this teenage child named Mary, 14, 15 years old. And he comes to her and says, you're going to have a, a baby. And she's thinking, how's that going to happen? And he says, well, God is put, placing a baby in your womb. And, and it takes her a while, but she believes it. And then she goes and tells Joseph, who she's getting ready to get married to, and it takes him a little while, but he believes it. And then their life kind of gets thrown into chaos, and then they find out the government said, you've got to go to Bethlehem, several miles away, to be registered for the census. And while they're on the road to Bethlehem, they find out they're not going to make it by nightfall, or by it's going to get dark, and they want to travel through the night, and it comes time for her to have the baby. And they go to this inn. And they want a room so Jesus Christ can be born. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. There was no room for them in the end. That's simple. No room for them. It was a busy time of year. I wanted to do a whole talk about this innkeeper. Because he probably had some kind of an inn, maybe, maybe a few rooms outside of his house or in his house. And, and now this census is coming up and he's watching all these people walk up and down the road. And he and his wife are busy. They're making sure everybody's fed, everybody's taken care of, the rooms are clean. And, and his life was just running fast, fast, fast. And he was busy, busy, busy counting all the money. And the innkeeper missed it. He missed it maybe because... He was caught up in the hustle and bustle of the season. When Jesus Christ could have been born in his 
in, he missed it. You know, a lot of people miss it when it comes to Christmas today because they're so caught up in the hustle and bustle. Just think about this innkeeper. Jesus could have been born on, in his inn in a room. In a little town where my wife and I went to college, there's this spaghetti house called Jim's Spaghetti. And in Jim's Spaghetti, there's a special booth. It's called the JFK booth. And over that JFK booth, there's a picture of JFK and his wife sitting there eating Jim's Spaghetti. You can go into Jim's Spaghetti today and you can say, I would like the JFK booth. And if it's available, you can sit in the identical booth. They haven't changed a thing about it. You can sit in that same booth that John F. Kennedy sat in a long time ago. Now just think, this innkeeper, if he would have slowed down enough to realize what was right in front of him, he could have had like the Jesus room. And when people came by, just look what a marketing opportunity he totally missed. I mean, everybody would have lined up for miles. I'd like the Jesus room. I know it's an extra hundred bucks, but hey, Jesus was born in there. And because he was so busy, he missed it. But as you read through this story about the first Christmas, not everybody missed it. There were these guys out in a field, and somehow they got it. They were shepherds. They were out in this field doing what shepherds do. They were watching sheep. And here's what happened. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left, when the angels have left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Why would would God go to them, to these shepherds, and and not to and, and not to anybody else, not to the innkeeper? I mean, the innkeeper could have really set him up. He could have said, oh, hey, an angel angel could have said, keep thy inn clear on that night. He could have done that. And, you know, anybody would say, yes, angel, you know, angel showed up. It's a pretty scary thing. Maybe, you know, why, why did God go to these shepherds out in the field instead of somebody that could have immediately provided some help? It's simple. They were in a position to listen. They were in a position to hear what God wanted them to hear. Maybe he did go to the innkeeper. But the innkeeper was so busy doing his thing, caught up in all the speediness of the season and what was going on in his life, maybe he didn't even hear what God was trying to tell him. And if you've ever gone through a time in your life when you're thinking, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? Can you open this door? Why don't I feel like God's talking to me? Maybe it's because you're going so fast, you just can't hear him talking to you when he actually is trying to talk to you. So God went to the people who made themselves available. They lived their lives that way, in a way that made themselves available. See, peace is found not when I'm hurrying around trying to find it. Peace is found when listening, not when hurrying. 
And if I think, gosh, I work 60 hours a week. We have this full schedule. We got all these things, kids doing something every night. God, if I could just hear from you, that would be great. And God's probably thinking, if you just slow down, you could hear from me. That's how it works. You know, these shepherds, if you went to that part of the world today, in that region, you would find those shepherds living the same way they lived 2,000 years ago. They're called Bedouin shepherds. Interesting thing about Bedouin shepherds, they live, the average age is over 100 years old. So researchers have gone there for decades to figure out and to sit down with these shepherds and say, what's your secret? What do you eat? How many times a day do you exercise? Do you ride bikes? Do you, what do you do? How do you live to be so long? And you know what they found out? It had nothing to do with what they ate. They, they don't really like plan exercise. They just live their life. You know why they live so long? They have a stress-free life. And we might look at them and say, those poor shepherds having to wear a robe all the time and sandals and, you know, moving around the desert with their sheep. And they would look at us and they would say, those poor people, they have traded what they think is quality of life and they've taken off the end, the quantity of life. And if they, could, if they could switch with us and enjoy all the major conveniences we have, air conditioning, blackberries, internet, if they could switch places with us, they wouldn't do it. They would say, no thanks. Because you know what's going to happen to those people, these Bedouin shepherds would say? They're taking years off their life. And when they're gone and all their cool stuff is gone and somebody or somebody else is now using it because they're gone, I'm still going to be over here for another 50 years, enjoying my life, enjoying my family because they figured something out. They know that the pace of their life is directly related to the peace they have in their life. And at this time of year when everybody's thinking about Christmas and gifts and and even the world thinks a little bit about Jesus on this day, at this time of year, let's reevaluate the pace That we're living our lives. These guys had room in their life and God showed up. And if you want God to show up in your life, maybe you need to make some room for him. Now Christmas doesn't come from a store. It is about so much more. It's a story of God coming to earth. Not so you can buy gifts, but so you can experience the peace that you were created to experience. There's a passage in the Psalms that says, Be still and know that I am God. And the the word for still literally means to drop. So what that says is, drop it and know that I am God. So whatever it is that's got your wheels turning so fast that you have no peace in your life, God says, just drop it. And I will take care of you. I've got you. I can handle this peace thing if you will just slow down and listen to me. Now for you, Christmas might be a very difficult time. Maybe you don't have childhood memories like I have and so many people have. Maybe they're not good ones. Maybe this is the first Christmas since. Or the first Christmas you're alone. Or the first Christmas for something else that brings you down and God says just be still 
Don't try to fill up all of that with hurry. Fill it up with me. Just drop it and I have got you. The late author, Lewis Smeads, wrote about a new calendar that he bought. It was getting near the end of the year and he decided I'm going to go get my calendar for the next year. And so he went and bought this paper calendar. And when he opened it up, and he saw all the squares, just all those blank squares the next, for the next 365 days. He said this, I bought a brand new date book yesterday, the kind I use every year. Spiral bound, black imitation leather cover wrapped around pages and pages of just blank squares. Whatever I do has to fit inside of one of those squares on my date book. I live one square at a time. The four lines that make up the square are the walls of time that organize my life. Each square has an invisible door that leads to the next square. It's as if by silent stroke the door opens and I'm pulled through as if by a magnet. I'm sucked into the next square. There I will again fill the time time frame that seals me. I will fill it with business and other things just as I did the square before. As I get older, those squares seem a lot smaller. One day I'll walk into a square that doesn't have a door. There'll be no mysterious opening and no walking into an adjoining square. One of those squares will be terminal. And the exciting thing is, I don't know which one it will be. As we move closer to the end of a year, and we're in a season where everybody talks about peace, but few people live it, and few people experience it in their life, Ask yourself this question. What am I doing with my square? What am I doing with my square for today? Because what happens? We think about the squares that are yet to come, the squares way out there, all the things that we want to do and want to see happen, and we forget to live today because we are promised today, not tomorrow. We're promised today. So what are you doing with the square today? Some of us need to do several things with this square. Some of us need to use this square of today to ask for or receive forgiveness. Some of us need to use this square to forgive ourselves or go start a conversation that needs to be started. Some of us need to use this square to say, you know, I'm tired of running at breakneck speed, running from everybody else. I'm just going to slow down. And from this day, for, from this square forward, things will be different. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus Christ said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. A lot of people today need rest. And I thought, why not use a time when we're supposed to be experiencing peacefulness, and so many of us don't, to offer that rest and re-offer that rest to everybody that Jesus says that we can have. Let your square today be filled with peace and rest. No matter who you are, no matter how hard you think you're working, no matter how hard you are working, you can experience the peace God wants you to experience. You know, there's a lot of truth in the story of the Grinch. It says after he figured out that Christmas didn't come from his store, it was about so much more, and, and he went back down to Whoville and gave all the presents back, it says his, his heart grew three sizes that day. 
So as I begin to figure out the way God wants me to live, and as I begin to slow down and really experience the peace I'm meant to experience, then my capacity to love and to be love increases. When I start to slow my life down and realize that the pace of my life is directly related to the peace in my life, something will happen to your heart. I've talked to people who have done this and something happens inside and your capacity to live and to love and to give forgiveness to somehow it just increases. And maybe it's because when we start to get a little closer to the lifestyle of those shepherds and make ourselves available to God, then he can use us in ways we never thought possible. Let this week And not just this week because it's Christmas, but let the rest of this year and the whole new year that approaches be a time when you say, I'm going to focus on this square and I'm going to make sure the pace of my life goes down so the peace in my life can increase. That's the message God wants all of us to have at Christmas time and for the rest of our lives. Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago as a baby so we could live a hurried lifestyle and not get to hear the message of God and enjoy the peace now, not later, but now. In the square of today, you can enjoy peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message that comes from this amazing story about Jesus Christ. God, allow us to Slow the pace of our life so we can enjoy the peace that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name.